You guys want to turn with me to John 21. It's the last chapter of the book of John. And uh, we're going to start there. But first, I need to pray. Um, So bow your heads with me. Let's pray real quick. Lord, thank you so much just for who you are. Lord, I thank you again for your word and just your truth that comes forth through it. Um, Father, I pray now that you would just um, speak through me, and uh, Lord, that you'd be glorified and honored through this talk tonight, Lord. Um, I pray that you would speak to every individual in this room, including myself, as we just study your word and uh, look to apply it to our lives. So we love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, right? All right, so John chapter 21. Um, How many of you guys have ever been in love? You're like, whoa, we're going to go on this. I've been in love. I still am in love. I'd be in trouble if I didn't say that. Um, but have, have you ever loved, have you ever loved somebody like a lot or loved something a lot, right? Um, what, what did that feeling feel like? Or what, what does love feel like? It's okay. Don't be shy. You can shout it out. Somebody up here said, I wouldn't know. I'm sorry. Hey, he's coming for you. <laughs> um, well, well, can I share with you about a time when I fell in love? Yes. Okay. And it, it's not what you think. Um, it was the summer, summer of 1996. I was actually at my cabin. I was shooting baskets. And um, one of my neighbors came over. He was a college student at the time, and he came over and he started shooting baskets with me. And eventually, after a long conversation, going back and forth of shooting hoops, um, he actually shared the gospel with me. And I actually fell in love for the first time. Aww. Yeah, I fell in love with Jesus. Um, so that was when I, I, I was 13 years old. I gave my life to Christ, and I fell in love. Um, but throughout, throughout my life, Um, that love of Jesus has been replaced through girlfriends, sports, ministry, other things, Um, until when I got to college, it was kind of an eye-opening experience, and this is what I'm going to get into with you guys tonight with John chapter 21. Um, I'm going to read about Peter, who I think was in love with Jesus, and um, hopefully I'm going to break down this text so that you can see why I think that. Um, History leading up to this point, so we're at the end of the book of John, so Jesus has already been crucified, he's been resurrected, he's actually appeared to the disciples twice already. This is going to be the third time in the text that we see that happen. Um, And so here, we're going to jump in, um, in verse 1, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is also the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to to Peter, It is the Lord. 
As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed into the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to him, bring some fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Okay, so we're going to break down this text and uh, just kind of walk through it. So first three verses says, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. So what's important about this? Well, Peter, if you remember, when Jesus first called him, actually the story is in Luke 5, if you want to go read it later, so write that down. Um, I'm actually going to reference it here in a little bit. But the story is back in Luke 5 when he called the disciples, and they're, they're fishing. It's their job. It's also probably their hobby. They probably love doing it. Um, so it's interesting that here's Peter. He's just talking to his homeboys, and he's like, I'm going to fish. And they're like, okay, well, we'll go with you. And so they go out, and here they are fishing, doing what they did when Jesus first came and asked them to follow him. Look in verse, uh, in verse 4 through 6. It says, Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, Throw your, night, your net to the side of the boat. And when they did, they found some. And they weren't able to haul it in. What's interesting about that, is you go back to Luke 5, and that's the same thing that happened when Jesus first called them. So they're out fishing in Luke 5, and they haven't caught any fish all day and all night. And Jesus shows up, and he's like, hey, throw your net to the side of the boat. And they're like, master, what are you talking about? Like, we've been fishing all day, and we haven't caught anything. And Jesus says, throw your, fish, throw your net to the side, and they haul in all this fish. Actually, it says in Luke chapter 5, it was so much fish that both boats began to sink which is interesting. So you would think, <laughs> I find it kind of funny, like as I'm reading this, like a light bulb's got to start going off at some time where they're like, all right, hold up. I know who's on the shore now. The dude that just told me to throw my net over the side of the boat, I've heard that before. And it was Jesus. Verse seven. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Um, what's interesting about this as I read it is, Peter took no time to go to Jesus. As soon as he found out that it was Jesus, he was like, I'm out of the boat. Like, <laughs> it's funny, because as I'm reading this, I'm like, just a minute ago, Pete, you're sitting here telling all your friends to go out fishing. And so you get all your friends together, and you hop in a boat, and you go out fishing, and then Jesus shows up, and you're like, peace, see you guys. You ditch the boat, you ditch the fish, and you swim to Jesus. 
what is God asking you to give up right now to follow him? As I look here, just a second ago, Peter wanted to go fishing. It was probably something that he really loved. He was probably with some of his closest friends that were dear to him. And in a second, the moment that he hears that it's Jesus, he drops everything and he goes towards Jesus. So as I was reading that, it, it was kind of as if the Lord was speaking to me, like, what, what is God asking you to give up right now? What do you love so much that would be difficult for you to give up? Or are you at a stage in your life where you have Jesus and you're good and you realize that there's nothing else in this world that can satisfy you? All right, so verse 8, I find this kind of funny too. You got to find humor in scripture when you read it sometimes. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. All right, Pete, 100 yards, dude. You're in a boat. You don't have to jump out. The boat's probably going to beat you to shore, unless you're like a really good swimmer, which maybe he was. You're 100 yards from shore. It's just funny, because I picture my, I'm, I'm one of the disciples in the boat that's like, yo, dude, fish, help, row, Get it in? Hey, all right, see you later, Pete. I guess we'll do it. Like, I'd, I would be that disciple, that would be. Um, so I just put myself in that, that situation. Um, so they're 100 yards from shore, not very far at all. Um, my next favorite part is verses 9 through 14. It says, when they landed, they saw fire burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. What's interesting is, here's Jesus who had just been crucified, who had just been raised from the dead, and he's still serving the disciples. It's Jesus on the shore that's cooking breakfast, that's cooking the meal for them. And it's like, hey guys, come over here, have breakfast, let's, let's fellowship, let's dine. I just, it's, it's a perfect picture and confirmation from scripture that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. All right, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now let's, let's, let's just think about this for a second. Okay, some scholars debate what these refers to when he's asking Peter, do you love me more than these? Um, some scholars say that he was talking about the fish. Some scholars say that he was talking about the friends or the disciples that were with him. Whatever the case is, we can, we can answer both of those questions. So, so I want to ask you guys, 
if these refers to fish, for Peter, that's his job or his hobby. So Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, do you love me more than your job? For some of us, we could say, yeah, Jesus, I love you more than my job. It's horrible. But for some of us, some of us really like our jobs. I like my jobs. Um, now, what if these refers to the friends of the disciples that he's with? Peter, do you love me more than your best friend? Do you love me more than your family? And as I'm reading that, I'm like, man, this is, these are tough questions that Jesus is asking. But we all know what Peter's known for, right? He's known for what? His denial of Christ how many times? Three times. So I don't find it surprising that Jesus actually asked him three times if he loves him because he's publicly restoring Peter in front of the disciples and himself. He's saying, all right, if you, if you truly love me, then Feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, feed my lambs. I love, I love the story of Peter because I think a lot of people run his name through the mud because of his denial of Jesus three times. Um, but if you look in scripture, Peter is the first man to what? He's the first one to jump out of the boat and walk on water. Jesus calls him to get out of the boat and walk towards him, and what's he do? He gets out, he starts walking towards Jesus. He's the first one to do it. He's the first one here to jump out of the boat and swim towards Jesus. Why didn't the other disciples do that? I don't know. He's the first one at Pentecost to actually speak up and address the crowd. So I would say that Peter is a person that, that loves Jesus and that is a follower and a leader of Jesus. Notice what Jesus tells Peter in 17. He says, the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. I find it interesting here, like I said, that it's the third time he asked him, but something that I, I, I kind of wrote out through this as I was going through this scripture and it's kind of going to go into the rest of tonight's talk, but the question for you guys tonight is, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a fan or are you a follower? So, what, so the next question you guys should ask or be thinking is, well, what, what's the definition of a fan or what's the definition of a follower? I'm going to give you my definition of a fan. This is what I wrote down. Well, I think in today's culture, a fan would look something like this. I go to church. I'm a good person. I believe there is a God, and I believe there is a heaven and a hell. But nothing in that person's life exemplifies a life lived for Christ. There's no fruit, no drive to be completely his, no passion to want to go deeper in a relationship with God. Fans of Jesus are completely content with where they're at in life and could honestly say deep down inside that the thought of Jesus in church is nice, but they don't really need him. When someone asks, do you really love Jesus? Inside they laugh and think to themselves, how is that possible? You can't see him, touch him, or have a real relationship with him. There's something I need to address here tonight 
If you're here tonight and you've come to Oasis this entire year with no intention of deepening your relationship with Christ, I might say that you're a fan. You like the idea of church, maybe not. You like the idea of Jesus and who he is, but deep down inside you have no desire to want to know him more, to want to grow in your relationship with him, but you're here for the wrong reasons. On a happier note, my definition of a follower of Jesus in today's culture might look like this. I choose to go to church because I thrive on deepening my relationship with Christ. I want to serve my community and around the world, but not because I get to go on a sweet mission trip, but because I realize there are still people in our city, community, and around the world that need Jesus. I try my best to give God glory in everything I do because I realize everything came and comes from him in my life. Tell me if this is true of yourself. I hate the sin in my life, and even though I don't always live up to that belief, I am deeply convicted and saddened when I fall back into temptation. I truly believe that without Christ in my life, my joy, passion, and desire to live life would be drastically different. I am not content with where I am in my walk with Christ ever, but I desire to spend time in his word, in prayer, and in fellowship with other believers. I desire to bear fruit that draws others to Christ and points them to the life filled with love, grace, and forgiveness. I want to share with you guys a story, and maybe you guys have heard it before. Um, on March 18, 1946, Charles Templeton was a pastor from Toronto, Canada. Um, he boarded a plane for London, London England um, with a close, friend's, close friend of his. I need some water, man. Sorry. Me gusta el agua. I'm practicing for the DR. Um, they began a journey preaching at Youth for Christ rallies all over the world, and after a five-week tour, get this, after a five-week tour in Europe, many believed that Charles Templeton would be the next big-time evangelist. However, after, right after the tour, he began to question, refute, and go against everything he had preached and believed. Templeton began to doubt his faith and eventually walked away from Christianity. In fact, in 1996, he wrote his last book, Farewell to God, My Reasons for Rejecting the Christian Faith. Anyone know who he toured with? Anyone? Bueller? Mm, somebody said it. Billy Graham. Billy Graham toured with Charles Templeton. And everybody was saying that Charles Templeton was going to be the next big evangelist. And as I read that story, a lot of things come to mind. I think of how could a guy that goes and preaches to thousands and thousands of people completely walk away from the faith? Well, I believe Charles Templeton was a fan. I believe he liked the touring, the preaching, the media, 
But when he got back home and when he actually sat down and thought to himself, do I really believe what I'm preaching? Do I really believe that this is true? He came to a place where he didn't, and he walked away from the faith. In Matthew seven thirteen through 14, Matthew says, But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I believe God wants you to hear something specific tonight. Um, God doesn't want a bunch of fans. God wants followers. He wants your heart. Um, Just recently, my aunt uh, passed away, my dad's sister, and I got the opportunity to sit with my parents as they came back. Um, She lived in Georgia, and I got the opportunity to sit with them and listen to some of the stories about my aunt and what took place in her life while she lived in Georgia. And uh, I got to admit, I was, I was kind of humbled and floored as I kind of sat there and listened. And, and they would share stories about how she would cook meals for the homeless. And um, she, she would go with her husband to the prisons and they would talk to prisoners. Um, she would reach out to the children that didn't have a home or, or had trouble at home. And so she would make... This is crazy. She would make her husband go to, like, all these different stores to buy this one specific candy for the, the candy that these kids liked. Um, and it, it got me thinking about just her life, and, and I was looking at some of the pictures that my mom took, and everybody was smiling at the funeral, and I was like, man, this wasn't sad. Like, this funeral was a celebration of her life and what she did for Christ. And... Um, it made me think about one thing, um, and it was just, what do, what do I want to leave a legacy of in my life? What kind of legacy do I want to leave? In other words, when I die and people are at my funeral, what do I want people saying? Do I want people saying, man, he was a really good basketball player. Man, he could really shoot the three. Man, he was, he was a good preacher. No, I don't, I don't want any of that stuff being said. I, I hopefully want short stories that are shared that's like, let me tell you how Ryan shared the gospel with me and changed my life. Let me tell you about how Ryan came alongside of me in this time of trials and completely saved me from what I was in. Let me tell you about what Jesus did for me because God brought Ryan into my like. Those are the stories and the legacy that I want to be left behind. Because in all honesty, like 50 years, not even that, two years from now, or from, from now, hopefully I don't die today, um, two years from my death, nobody's going to remember me, except for my family and close friends. But hopefully, if I've left a legacy for Christ, people are going to remember that and it'll live on. And so I want to challenge you guys tonight. In fact, I actually want to plead um, with you guys tonight because this is the last kind of official oasis. We've got like two more. Um, but if I, if I don't address this, if I don't present this opportunity, um, I feel like I wouldn't, wouldn't be fulfilling my role as a shepherd and a pastor of the flock here. And so 
I want to just really plead with you guys to evaluate your lives. Um, seriously ask yourself the question, am I a fan or am I a follower? And if you're in this place tonight, you might, you might not be either one. If you're in this place tonight and you don't know if you're a fan or a follower, you might not be saved. And so it might be a good opportunity for you to, to go read Matthew 7 and to read through that and, and say, do I want to be what happens and end up there of what Matthew talks about in chapter 7? Or do I want to be someone that's like Peter? If you're a fan, I want to I challenge you to, to open up tonight in small group. And to say, you know what, like, I've been, I've been a fan my entire life. I come to Oasis, I say I'm a Christian, but the kind of fruit, I, I don't know if I'm bearing any fruit, I don't know if I'm, I'm still living in this particular sin, or whatever the case may be. Build an accountability with your small group. And if, if you're a follower, um, I want to challenge you to evaluate your life as well by asking some of these questions. How, how's your time in the Word with the love of your life? How's your outlook on your job, your community, and the people closest to you? Take time to ask God what it is that you can improve on in your walk with Him and eventually take you deeper in your walk. I, I hope and pray that, that after tonight, you, you guys can say that you're a follower of Christ. And I, I plead with you because time is short. I can't tell you that enough. I've shared with you guys about my friend in high school that was a senior that was killed in a car accident. Seniors, you, you could walk out these doors and be killed. Juniors, sophomores, freshmen, everyone in here. Gone, life. Where are you going to be? It's, it's up to you to find that out, and we're here to help you. Um, I'm going to ask Zach to come back up here and close us out just in the song uh, that I asked him to, to play, and it was Only You Can Satisfy. Um, and as you sing, as you sing these, this song, I want you to think about what you're singing. And if you truly mean it, sing it with everything you have. And if not, don't sing at all. Because God deserves to be worshipped and God deserves to be praised in this place, whether or not you think he does or doesn't. So let's join in worship. Let's stand. Let me close this out real quick in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for, Lord, your word and, um, God, the truth that is just found all over throughout Scripture. And I thank you for Peter and just the example that he lived, and Lord, for using a man that even failed and denied you three times, but Lord, you restored him, and you made a true disciple and follower out of him, Lord, to, to change the world. Father, would you do the same with us? pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.
Don't forget that. Don't forget that God is that only thing that will fill that space, that will fill that void in us. Like Ryan said, you never know what's going to happen in our life, but God is always there. God is that rock and that foundation for us to rely on. You guys can go ahead and go to the life groups. <laughs>